This week on Ultra 64, hey, all you robots without wheels, take a hike, because this week we're talking about Rocket Robot on Wheels. Yeah, that's right. Welcome to Ultra 64. I'm already sorry I'm threatening robots without wheels right at the start. We've That's lost not all our robotic listeners. This is right not from the beginning. this is not the the formal uh, You know uh, that 70% of podcast listeners are Russian bots. Ah, uh, I mean just, most of ours, I imagine so. They write in, "Hello, I am your uh, how you say, Russian bride. Yes, I love show." Uh, this is the uh, comprehensive send social security information. <laughs> This is the comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast where each and every week we are playing a different randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 catalog. My name is Steve Guntling. Hello, I am Woody Siskowski, podcaster on feet. Uh, well, we are uh, talking about Rocket Robot on Wheels, and I'm always excited to go into a game that I know absolutely nothing about. I went into this one totally cold. Uh, all I knew was that it had a nice red cartridge mm-hmm. and it had a rocket. Or possibly a robot. I don't know if it has. Maybe some wheels. I mean, it doesn't have a rocket. It's not like... Yeah, Rocket himself is not rocket power. I mean, maybe that's a maybe that's a power up we get later. But that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, just a I fun, mean, wacky I guess it name. delivers on the premise. You, you are a robot. He is on a wheel. Yeah. Um, and there's such there's so many platformers for the Nintendo 64, mm-hmm. and so few of them that people have many memories of. Uh, yeah. This falls into that group. But. I, I think this is one, I hope uh, people seek it out and make some memories with it, because I think this is a very clever little game. I mean, can we uh, think of like, you know, you, there's like the five sort of big platformers on the Nintendo 64, and sure. you know, four of them are made by Rare. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Super Mario 64. Are there like any... Have we played a platformer yet that's not made by Rare and Nintendo that we played, we've liked? Yeah, Rayman 2. We oh, yes. We played Rayman 2, yes, which, yes, we, yes. which we really, really liked, yes, and that's that by great. Ubisoft. Um, I would not say Rocket is quite on par with oh, Rayman 2. Definitely not. Uh, definitely not. But you know what? This is uh, the debut game of one of the biggest studios working today sucker punch you could say i was taken by surprise by this information i was i was i was sucker punched if you will um the yeah. founding of that studio was adapted into a Zack snyder movie right it was That's what yeah that movie's about it was a very strange process <laughs> to make this game there was lots of like preteen girls and masturbatory uh, teenage boy fantasy outfits mm-hmm. yeah that movie's garbage by the way <laughs> if you haven't seen sucker punch man i hate that movie <laughs> Um, so whoever wrote the description of this game on Giant Bomb was clearly having a good time. It says, Rocket is a robot. He has a wheel that he rolls around on. So okay. really, the title is misleading if you were hoping for more than one wheel. Not true. Not true. There we, are lots of wheels in this. We can dispute this right from the start. But, you know, I appreciate that they were having fun so with take it. take that, right Giant Bomb wiki editor. Yeah. Woom. Woom. There, woom, there it is. That's how that goes, <laughs> that's right? famous catchphrase. Woom, woom. There it is. That's what, uh, that's what they do in the gynecology lab where yeah. they're like, okay. <laughs> Okay, put your put your feet in these stir- stirrups. Boom! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> we found it. Thank you, intern. Yes. All right, let's talk about this game. Rocket Robot on Wheels was released October thirty first, nineteen ninety nine. That's Ooh, right. A special Halloween we get a time. jingle. It's 
Uh, this was developed by Sucker Punch Productions and published by Ubisoft, and this is an N64 exclusive. So this is the first ever game by Sucker Punch, and I think they've kind of become one of the more respected studios of the modern era, I they're would no say. Naughty like, dog, but... No, they're not quite on that tier, just because they haven't been as productive, I would say. They've got a fairly small catalog, but all of the games that I've played of theirs, I really enjoyed. Um some but of which are some of which are Sly Cooper that that whole series oh, yes. uh, infamous that series I recently played the first one of that game I enjoyed that that's an open world game where you shoot lightning out of your hands that's the one okay. yeah and you can decide sometimes to be good or bad and you know it's going to be good or bad because the screen tells you mm. it's are usually you... it's literally usually a matter of huh I could leave that guy to get murdered by that crazy mob or I could take two seconds to fight them and save his life which one should I do yeah the uh alignment meter from some around that time was was a real bummer i mean yeah. that was always the thing there would always be one game that sort of did a thing well like knights of the old republic or sure. something and then other people just kind of aped it and didn't didn't really work yeah and then mass effect you know it ultimately didn't matter which decisions <laughs> you made <laughs> throughout the entire game anyway sucker punch was founded in bellevue washington yay in 1997 and it was composed of a team of six microsoft expats who struck out on their own uh, Rocket was their first title, and it wasn't a huge hit, but it was enough. Uh, it was of a high enough quality to catch the attention of Sony. I mean, it probably got buried under like based on the day it was released. Oh, right? everything, it's, yeah. That this uh, October thirty first, nineteen ninety nine is the day that seventeen different games for the N sixty four came out, which is just crazy. It's <laughs> yeah. absolutely insane. It's like a third and, of the catalog. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a ridiculous amount to come out on one day. So yeah, it's not surprising that this didn't get noticed. But Sony noticed it at least, and they partnered up with the company for their next game, which was a cel-shaded 3D platformer called Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. And that hit PS2 in 2002 and became one of the three like signature platforming games of the yeah. system. You have Jack and Daxter. I, oh, Ratchet and Clank is top of the tier. Oh, Jack, Jack and Daxter is next, and then Sly. Yeah, all, um, all excellent. All excellent. All excellent. You can't go wrong with any of them. So Sly became a pretty lucrative franchise for the company, and Sony locked Sucker Punch down on into an exclusive contract that still stands today. Uh, in addition to the two Sly sequels, there was a third one on the PS4, but it wasn't done by them. Mm. Uh, the company also produced five games in the Infamous series. I didn't realize there was that many. No. Uh, and they were on PS3 and PS4. And as we, uh, as we are recording this, they are preparing to release their newest IP, which is a game called Ghosts of Tsushima, which is a samurai action game that's been getting a lot of buzz. Uh, that's coming out God, two weeks from today, a week from today. Yeah, I know later in July. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it's looking cool. I'm, I'm excited. I think the company's output has been of a high enough quality that I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'll go into this. I'll, I'll trust you guys. It's always cool when you find a company that is seems to be consistent. It, it's very rare that like companies have a seal of. Like, Capcom or Konami seal means essentially nothing at this point. At this point, no. Because they've released so many games, so yeah. it's rare that there's a company that, like, oh, they're consistent, like, they only put things out that are of a certain quality. Yeah, and actually those three studios that do those platformers, uh, uh, Insomniac for Ratchet, Naughty Dog for Jack and Daxter, and Sucker Punch, I think all three of those have become, like, marks of quality. That's true. Like... Some of them, you recognize their formula like a mile out. Oh, but, yeah, definitely. Uh, but they're always like AAA, high-tier, really involving games. Uh, so a little bit about the development of this game. There's quite a bit written on this uh, because mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting. Um, so Sucker Punch was formed because the developers were obsessed with the Nintendo 64 while they were working in, uh, I think, just quality assurance at Microsoft. Okay. Like They weren't really game developers yet. 
uh, but they I were working they on were hardware. Working, right, I, I worked at Microsoft for as a receptionist for a little bit, nice. and was right across the street from the Quality Assurance Building. Um, basically, they put me in the building as a receptionist, and no one ever came in. Oh, so I just printed out hero clicks accessories that's not a bad gig Probably. actually <laughs> well it is after six months okay you get very you don't need any more hero clicks accessories <laughs> and you they keep updating those sets yeah. there's so many um so yeah so the team loved the nintendo 64 especially mario 64 and ocarina of time which <laughs> they claim really opened their eyes to what video games could do you yeah, know i they, mean that that's fair yeah i, I mean that's a funny thing, like to say, like, oh, we love the N sixty four because of these two games. It's the like, two well, best games in yeah, the system. Like, yeah. Yes, you love the you love these two games, and then you sort of dig deeper, and you're like, maybe we don't love this system. It's like, you but, know what? I really fell in love with the Nintendo sixty four because of Tonic Trouble. It yeah, just, exactly. it just really it, it showed me what games could be. It's like my favorite filmmaker is Orson Welles. I've only seen one of his movies, Transformers <laughs> the movie, yeah, where exactly. he played Unicron or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, they, yeah, they claimed that this kind of really opened their eyes to what games could be because the team was mostly weaned on like Defender and old arcade games oh, like that, sure. and this is like holy shit. Uh, so they immediately just kind of became obsessed with this idea of making their own Nintendo 64 game to the point where six of them finally got together and left Microsoft to found their own company. Um, you know, because they were blocked in at Microsoft, and there's no way Microsoft is ever going to start developing games for yeah, the Nintendo that would 64. Be crazy. Um, so, yeah, they struck out on their own uh, with nothing but a loose pitch for this game. And they brought their idea to Nintendo without any proof of concept. They hadn't seen the dev kits. They didn't really know anything about pitching a game. Mm. But they got in the room with Nintendo. They pitched it. Uh, Nintendo passed, but they said, you know what, bring us a prototype, something, and we'll take another look at yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you know, for a game that you're trying to sell on just a premise, I'm not sure that you're a robot and you have a, you're have on a unicycle. It's yeah. quite enough to get you there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least the, the premise was strong enough that Nintendo gave them the dev kit and said, here, put something together for us, and then we'll talk. Yeah. So they did. They put together a demo. They brought it back to Nintendo. And again, Nintendo passed as the publisher. Mm. They did not want it to be a first-party game. They agreed that they would let it onto the system, but they didn't want to be directly involved with publishing it. So now Sucker Punch had to kind of shop around and talk to some of the big games. How many games do you think, like, got um, sold or, like, pitched to Nintendo and they said, no, we won't even let this be on the system. Yeah. Like they refused licensing of. Because that must be a real graveyard of dreck. Like, you must imagine. When, like, yeah. The yeah. games that they're like, yeah, we can put this Transformers Beast Wars game on our system. Yeah. We, we like this monster truck wrestling game. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like the bar is so low. I mean, I wonder what it would actually take to uh, to cut you out. Yeah, but... Superman definitely should fly through rings all the time. Why not? Why not? Everyone's favorite part of that game. Um, yeah, so uh, they, they finally reached out to Ubisoft, who did take an interest and gave them some money to finish their work on this. And development on this game was pretty rough going. Uh, the team was entirely self-funded, and they had relatively little experience with art direction or game design. So they were kind of teaching themselves how to do this from the ground up, mm-hmm. just based on... And they were taking examples from the games that they really liked. You okay. know, Mario 64, Banjo-Kazooie, Ocarina of Time... Uh, and uh, they took them more than a year just to develop the first level alone, just because they were they had a lot of really ambitious ideas for this game. Yeah, this um, game does a lot. Yeah, it really does. And uh, so it took them a little while to get it all right. 
Um, they were still set on developing for the N64, though. They felt that the the small catalog on the system would give them a chance to stand out, you know, because there's a thousand games on the PlayStation and only like 200 something on right. N64. Well, so sense. they have a better shot. Um, Sony did express interest in a port. They saw an early stage of this and they wanted to do a port to PS2, but they realized doing that would require them to pretty much abandon the N64, start from scratch with the PS2 hardware. So they said, no oh, yeah, thanks, no, but this... contact us for our next game. This game would have not... Oh, yeah, and then they contacted them for the next game. Yeah. And the rest is history. Um, but I mean, raccoon d- history. Despite the uh, the fumbling early attempts, the game came together in the end. It got a rare uh, red cartridge, which is one of like five games. It got a little red cartridge. It means nothing. I just like it. Yeah. And uh, it sold about 100,000 copies, which isn't a blockbuster by any means, but it's not a disaster either. And... Uh, it it did earn some critical acclaim at the same time. I think in 2008, Nintendo Power put it on their list of the 20 best games on the Nintendo 64. It was like number 18, but wow. it's on the list, you know, yeah. so good for Rocket. Um, it, I, I'm, yeah. I'm impressed that um, to hear just sort of how new um, the development team was for this, because mm-hmm. this game, for m- most aspects of it, feels very polished. It, like, I it think does. There's a combination of good good ideas um you, it's the kind of game that i would still probably like even if it was unpolished mm-hmm. um because there is they're really trying to do a lot of neat things here but I, that's not really a criticism that i have for it no so. no it, it came and i mean the studio in general is kind of known for a high level of polish and professionalism like and that's interesting to see it was kind of a benchmark from the beginning when they didn't even really know what they were doing yeah. so that's impressive I, I have a lot more respect for sucker punch now um so a little bit about the plot here. Rocket is a one-wheeled robot, a one-wheeled robot, <laughs> uh, and he's the, the assistant to Dr. Gavin, who is a brilliant scientist who desi- decided to devote all of his energy to developing the greatest intergalactic theme park <laughs> in the universe. That's, that's, that's a funny con. Like, I've invented international or, like, mm. intergalactic space travel. I will make a theme park. Yeah, yeah, that's- why not? You know, that tourism money is helping to pay for your uh, experiments, you know? I liked his design a lot in this opening cutscene because, you, you know, he's a human but mm. like his whole face is sort of shaded it's a um, muppet baby's a tactic yeah okay. we're just seeing from the knees down yeah and, it's... And, well there's a little bit where they zoom out and you can see his upper body but it's just all dark right um which i think works because face, faces would look so terrible in faces this. would look terrible yeah. and plus it wants to you want to see through like uh rocket's perspective yeah. and he's a knee-high robot who just really knows what this doctor's knees look like you know <laughs> and uh so anyway, uh, uh, Dr. Gavin is preparing to uh, go on a party to celebrate the opening of his new park. The park is called Whoopi World. Uh, <laughs> it's named after a fat walrus mascot. Okay. And uh, they're about to celebrate their grand opening. So Dr. Gavin is going to put Rocket in charge of everything while he goes to this party. Uh, things get complicated, though, when Jojo, who is the raccoon kind of second banana mascot. Sucker Punch got a real affinity for raccoons. Early. Yeah, yeah, yeah they early. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, so Jojo hatches this long gestating plan for revenge that apparently takes a second to execute. Yeah, the, the camera cuts away from a second and Jojo has captured Whoopi and is stolen wrecking, all the tickets all the tokens yeah making havoc on the park there's a funny drawing of like his plan that just kind of has a picture of um Whoopi being stabbed and him <laughs> in control of the park and it's renamed you know jojo land or something and like mm. Whoopi does not seem to be terribly into anything no, he's just, just a like big sleeping blue walrus just a big sleeping walrus like i say let jojo have it he's hungry he wants this you know yeah, it's like, like, I, I think 
I guess they learned that a scheming raccoon is a much better mascot than uh, Sucker Punch took that lesson to heart. They did. <laughs> they did. Yeah. They, 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 the they... next game was not the wal- walrus thief game. Well, doesn't he have a walrus? But No, it's a hippo buddy. Okay. I was trying to remember. I know he has a big buddy with him, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, Rocket is now the only one who can repair the park, rescue Whoopi, and stop JoJo before Dr. Gavin gets back from his party. I also like the very cartoonish notion that JoJo gets out of his cage and bonks the robot on the head to knock him unconscious yeah. while he escapes. Uh, that's not a very well-designed robot. <laughs> but actually, you know, speaking of the design, like uh, if you look at the cover art for this game, it's just kind of a muddle, and you can't really see how cute Rocket is. But mm-hmm. Rocket's a really cute little character. He's basically just a head on a knee with a unicycle because his, his body frame is like kind of bent like a knee to make him uh, gyroscopically yeah. stable. Yeah. Uh, but he, he like makes little noises when you bump in the walls and like, I don't know. It's a cute design. Yeah. I mean, this whole game looks pretty cute. I think it looks there. There's definitely a few games on the N64 that have a very similar aesthetic. It looks a lot like Milo's Astro Lanes in mm. terms of its color palette. Yeah. It looks a lot like Starshot Space Circus and it looks a lot like Glover kind of in the level designs. Yeah. In the scope that things are very colorful. Um, but it looks better than all of those games. It does. It does. <laughs> like, like, no discernible fog that I could see in any of the levels. I mean, the levels aren't I mean, it's, it's so just, huge and sweeping. They're, they're dark. Yeah. So you can't see... I mean, the first level is dark, so, like, there's still pop-up. There's just not fog. And the second level is a much more contained area. Yeah. So you can't see past the walls. Right. Which is, I think this is a good workaround. You know, it's like, usually the tactic with N64 games is just, like, make it as big as possible. And if the graphics can't keep up, then they can't keep up. Looking at you, Star Wars Battle for Naboo. Oh, yeah. You know? But, like... This one knows its limitations, and it kind of keeps things within that and uh, just kind of focuses on making the levels themselves fun. I mean, it's hard because I just... It feels like for the N64, like, Nintendo and Rare were sort of playing with a higher-level toolkit than everyone else. I don't know if that was just because, like, they had a sort of more in-depth relationship and Nintendo was like, hey, Rare, we'll tell you how to really make this console actually work. Yeah. Because when you think of games like Donkey Kong 64, Banjo-Kazooie, the the scope of what you could see is so much greater. Yeah. And, like, it's so much more colorful. And it just feels like these other, you know, developers didn't quite have the same tool set. No, not quite. It doesn't quite feel fair, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, I feel like you play this and you're like, this is not nearly as sort of big and inspiring as something like Donkey Kong 64, but no other, you know, third-party platformer is. No, no, they really don't get that kind of same level of treatment. Yeah, that's a good point. So the gameplay here, I would say, is kind of largely defined by the physics engine um, because... Rocket's really only attack, quote unquote. It doesn't really attack. You can't really hurt anybody in this game unless well, you, well, you can eventually. eventually. Um, but you have a tractor beam. You've got a tractor beam with a very short little range. Mm-hmm. Uh, you use it with B, and you can use it to pick it's up like objects. Like a little in front light that comes out of Rocket's head. Yeah, and you don't need to hold the button down once you've got your tractor beam. Just like zoom it in and then let it go, and you can walk around with this thing until something bumps into you. Yep. Uh, very cool right off the bat. Like that's kind of a novel thing. I, the Wikipedia article said this is the first physics-based puzzle platformer which is such a like minute distinction that (laughs) i'm not entirely sure like that means nothing it doesn't really mean anything but like i guess if you like 
platforming games where you can pick up and throw things around. Like, this is a very early example of that. I also can't imagine that that's true. Like, even if you're going to take that level of specificity. Well, it's, like, it was un- Unreal was out at this point. Like, so there, there was, like, the Unreal... I guess the Unreal Engine wasn't being used right. extensively in games yet. But, um, I mean, I think it's just generally a fun weapon and a fun mechanic because the tractor beam is pretty smart. Like, if you there's something that you can grab, um, it will sort of go right to it. You don't have to aim it really, as long as you're standing next to it. And you yeah. can grab both, and en- you can grab enemies and sort of throw them out of your way, mm. or you can grab like crates and you throw those at enemies. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, yeah, that that's kind of the big mechanic here. It's like you can grab it and then you press B again to get a targeting reticle, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of steer that around. It also shows you your arc, which is nice. It shows you the arc, yeah. It shows you exactly where everything's going to land. Uh, I mean, for an early integration of physics-based platforming, I've thought the mechanics here worked very well. Oh, yeah, they're, no they're they're intuitive. Uh, they they work quite well, and like this isn't a game that's like super combat heavy so no. you're not you're not needing to like worry about fighting off hordes or anything while you're taking your shot you can you can take your time with stuff so your moves here i mean rocket you know he's on a unicycle he wheels around yeah he's rocket yeah. robot on wheel but yeah um, you, <laughs> but you do you, get wheels plural yeah you can jump um you start with this tractor beam the mechanic here is you meet this fellow named tinker who's sort of the park mechanic mm-hmm. um and you collect these um tokens uh for tinker tokens tinker tokens yep and uh, once you get enough of them he will teach you a new move like bottles from banjo kazooie Mm -hmm. and the first one that he teaches you is like this flip where you can grab grab an enemy with your tractor beam jump in the air and then slam it down on the ground yep so that gives you the ability to actually fight things and get your health back and then you know at that point the combat all kind of becomes incidental yeah most of these 3d platformers the combat is a very small part of them, and it should be because it's always very difficult to gauge where your enemies are. Earthworm like, Jim, looking yeah. at you. Yeah. Trying, trying to like, when you think of Super Mario sixty four, you don't think of the fun you had like punching out Goombas. Like, no, you can go that entire game without ever punching anything. Yeah, yeah. exactly, and you often will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's nice that they sort of know what works and what doesn't, and I think the combat system works well. I think that Rocket is a little frustrating to control. Like, as you would expect from someone who's on a wheel all the time, yeah. he, he's a little rolly. He's a little touchy. Um, yeah, he, it's hard to keep him going in a straight line, and sometimes his momentum picks up so quickly that you'll go right off of platforms, which is annoying. Which, I, it's a problem. It's a, it's, this game is sort of has a bad combination of using the N64 controller, which is not a very precise no. analog. Like if this was on, you know, a GameCube stick or something, it might feel a lot better. Yeah. Um, Rocket is very rolly. Yes. And um, the camera in this game is very bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite bad. There's no no two ways to phrase it. No. It's no. quite bad. It does the same old thing where it makes an effort and it makes too much of an effort and you find yourself feeling a little sick it's not i don't think it's nearly as bad as gex no um, no definitely not as bad as gex or like Starshot or, or some of these other games like but it's also it's not good and it is gonna be something you're gonna have to push through a little bit like i i think i kind of came down on on the side of i think this game is worth it i think it's worth dealing with some of the frustrating camera mechanics because there's a lot to see and there's a lot of surprising things that pop up and there's a lot of like new mechanics you can learn and there's 
it's it's different. It does feel very different than anything else on the system. Yeah, so but like, that is that is a frustrating. Let's element. explain. Like it is a very ambitious game. There's just so many. I was just really surprised because there's so many throwaway platformers on the N64. So like, you 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 have tickets here. Those mm-hmm. are your your jiggies. Your uh, golden udders sure um and just here's an example of you getting one so like each level has a vehicle sort of exclusive to that level which Mm. you have to find somewhere and then there's teleporters that will bring that vehicle to you later so the second level you found this sort of hovercraft that shoots colors Uh um you drove it to this platform that had um statues of fruit yeah um stone fruit all uncovered and you very smartly decided that you would make the fruit the colors that it should be um like runts sure Uh, yeah Yeah, that's what that's what they reminded me of the banana one is especially and also why did runts have a heart like I always read that it was supposed to be a strawberry. Oh, okay, well that makes. I much could more be sense. wrong about well, was that. Was it supposed but... to be a strawberry in this game, or was it a heart? I think it was a heart in this game because it was a. It, they weren't all fruit. There oh was yeah, a, there banana, was a banana, a carrot. There was a carrot, a Christmas tree, and a heart. Oh, and so you, don't you need eat to do Christmas trees, not a fruit. I mean, I guess I, if, is if it I, part of the legume family. If I'd sprayed it with brown, it could have been like the the Reese's trees, you know, that they release oh, yeah. at Christmas that never <laughs> quite look like trees. Yeah. So you um, you sprayed these fruit. It gave you a ticket, but then it raised this giant temple from under the ground, which um, you never totally would have caught seen. us by surprise. And that opened up a whole new area, which then you have to do some very tricky platforming. This game does have a grappling hook. It does so grappling hook. Exciting. Oh, I'm gonna Man, put in a all jingle. The, all the sound effects in this episode. <laughs> Um, so you, you know, it's this big room with a spinning statue and then you would jump from gear to gear and you could hook onto them. And I felt like the grappling hook mechanics were solid too. They like, were. Um, it, it homes right in where you want to grapple and you can swing back and forth. In it's the not going to let go until you want to let go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to sort of do this tricky platforming of jumping and sort of making your way up this statue. That's rotating. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. That, that was when it really was pretty tough to, you know, have that combination of rolling and bad camera. Yeah. But you, you, you managed to pull it off. We managed it. Managed to, managed to pull it off twice because I got to the top and then fell off the bottom because I went too fast. Yeah. Uh, which was a little frustrating, but it, but it, it a- felt like... It felt like we were figuring something out. Like, it wasn't yeah. all just spelled out for us. It felt like we were experimenting and figuring things out. Like, the little path you need to jump on that statue in the beginning is quite narrow, mm-hmm. and it's pretty easy to miss, so you just need to try things. And it was like, I mean, I'm saying it's like a three-pronged, a three-step approach to getting this extra ticket. It's like a ticket within a ticket. It just, it really feel like the levels are designed to sort of... They start. They feel very small at first. Yeah. Um, but you know, once you get the vehicle for the level, or there's lots of, again, like it, it just seems very drawn from Banjo Kazooie of like, oh, now there's this whole other internal area that you can go in and explore a challenge here. Yeah, yeah. And I thought all of that worked really well. I mean, yeah. I I liked in the first level. There's uh, you go in. It's a circusy level, and you go it's into this Clowny Island. Clowny Island. Very, there's a very creepy clown head. That um, in the hub world, like it totally opens, like the the neck just like the jaw totally opens like 180 degrees and it's yeah. just flat. And yeah. then you go stand in this clown head and it takes you to Clowny Island. Is that supposed to be a play on Coney Island? Oh yeah. Okay. Guess, yeah. All right. That's yeah. I guess the word it works. play is used liberally. A little sweaty. A little yeah. sweaty. That's okay. I can't talk. Uh, yeah. So I mean, there, in you go inside this tent and 
it immediately gives you three like kind of midway games that you need to play not like you know uh, <laughs> nfl uh, plays and exotica narc <laughs> and uh, mortal kombat and smash 3. tv yeah um no but you have to play these kind of carnival games and uh it's really showing off the physics engine right away so it's like one you have to shoot you like throw balls at like certain colored cats you know in the right that, order yeah, that one's pretty boring pretty boring then and there's then, one where you throw apples into president's animatronic president's <laughs> mouth which yeah, i really liked i liked that especially because they uh they make little proclamations when you get it right like you throw one in teddy roosevelt's mouth and he says bully you know like <laughs> it's clever it's clever and then there was a tic-tac-toe game or chick-tac-toe rather okay. you're playing against a chicken who has this big cannon and it kind of winds up getting into that war game situation where like you're going to keep stalemating every time if you, can't, you just... You can't beat a computer at tic-tac-toe. You can't beat a computer at tic-tac-toe. It just can't happen. Even if you're uh, a robot, you can't do it. And y- that becomes clear pretty early on after experimenting with a little... And then you realize the only way you're going to get to win is by throwing another ball at the chicken before he takes his shot so he'll get flustered and shoot in the wrong place. So very clever, like very clever way to introduce oh, you, you should, to these mechanics. You describe uh, the paint mechanic. That was the the paint puzzle. Yeah, okay. That, and the, that was really cool. It was very cool. So you have to go talk to this guard who he's got, he's a robot with eyeglasses. He has poor eyesight. You know, he so, looks like a pickle in, he, he, in like Roman regalia. Yeah, yeah. He does. It looks very like, weird art direction in this game. He's like, taken from Veggie Tales. Yeah, very similar to Starshot. It doesn't feel very uniform in its direction it's just a bunch of bright colorful stuff not necessarily but which anyway. you can you which you can kind of dismiss by just saying oh it's another theme park ride yeah, you know that's but true. but either way so you go talk to this big pickle and he he says like i can't see you very well but i can tell you're not wearing the right colors so there are three pots of uh paint near you like primary colors and then one pot of water and so you need to dunk yourself in these paint pots until you're the right color uh, but you can't just like jump in the green because then you'll just you won't you'll be all green. You need to jump in, make yourself all green, jump into the mid level of the water to just wash below your neck or whatever rocket has instead yeah. of the neck because he's just got a knee. And then you do a different color. You do an orange color on your body by jumping into two different colors. And then you talk to the pickle again, and he lets you in. And it's like, wow, look at that. I mean, that's like not only do you have to know your primary colors, you are also you can't just like jump into these things. You have to be careful and thoughtful about where you're jumping and what you're yeah, doing. I mean, this game gives the player a lot of credit. It does. Yeah, it really does. This wasn't spelled out, but if at any time you're stuck, you can press the pause menu and there's a hints uh, section right there. For every ticket has a little hint attached to it. Yeah, there's 12. So you're never going to get lost. There's 12 tickets per level. I mean, mm-hmm. there's sort of the hint equivalent of like the blast away the corner of the wall like, right. description in Mario 64 where you're like, I guess I there's a wall, so I'll mess around with that. You kind of have an idea, but it's not enough to give it away. Is that the worst star in Mario 64? Yeah. I think that's the worst one. That or catching that little yellow rabbit. Oh, yeah. I hated catching, catching that yeah, thing. I also hate catching the rabbit. But yeah, yeah, that one that one stymied me for so long. I'm like, how were you expecting me to know this? Um, yeah, so I mean, I don't know. The puzzles are just pretty great. Like mm-hmm. across the board, you found another one with the crystals that we had to shoot colors at to like match up the colors. Like, it, it's all very well thought out. It, it, it integrates the physics engine very well. Yeah, and each, I mean, I don't know. There's seven levels in this game, seven worlds. Um, the 12 tickets is quite a lot. I'm guessing that each one kind of has its own little gimmick because the first one was, you know, carnival, you know, throwing things themed. And then you, you got to drive around this little hot hot dog cart. Yeah. Which is, again, that's there's your wheels. It is funny. You... 
there's like uh, slalom courses that you go through, and Rocket is not fast enough to make them in time. So you find this hot dog car, mm-hmm. and then you can drive that. It's called through. the Dune Dog. Yeah, the Dune which Dog. Is great. It has a little ketchup and mustard exhaust pipes. Adorable. Um, you can drive those through the slalom. It's it's funny and cute that like Rocket would be driving these other cars. Yeah, he's got no arms. He's got no uh, arms, but I imagine he's interfacing the same way R two D two did with his weird robot penis. You know, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I, the vehicles here. There's a there's quite a variety. So we have the the Dune Dog, like we talked about. Uh, there's the Shag Flyer, which is a magic carpet. There's the Glider Bike, which is a motorcycle with bat wings, a la Meatloaf. <laughs> uh, there's a Finbot, which is a robot dolphin. Uh, a Spider Rider, which is a spider shaped aquatic vehicle that can like walk across water. Um, there's the Hover Splat, which we talked about. It's a hovering tank that lets you shoot a bunch of different colors of paint. And then there's the Beam Lift, which is a tractor beam equipped monster truck. Neat. Those really are all fun. Really neat and varied. It was yeah. another very impressive thing. Just the color splat, like you could shoot different areas of the level and it would change the color. I loved like, that. I love that little detail. Purple, and then it's a purple gate, even if it's not involved with the pu- a puzzle at all. No, you can just go around and have fun coloring everything in the level that, if you get bored. Really cool. It's really cute. Uh, yeah, there's lots of different little collectibles. We talked about the tickets and the tokens. You also have to find uh, the seven pieces of a broken machine in every level. But that's all like contained within the level. It's contained within the it's level. It's the eight golden coins of Mario, or Basically. eight red coins. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which I liked. I think that I think this game does a good job of collectibles. I think the thing that got so frustrating about like Donkey Kong 64 is the collectibles sort of stretched between worlds. Yeah. And you're like, well, I don't know which of these specific blueprints I haven't got. Yeah. Whereas here, I mean, as is the case with all these platforms, it would still be a difficult game to stop and come back to because you would forget where you were. Sure. But it seems much sort of more realistic in its scope yeah. of what it's asking you. Yeah, yeah. It's not overwhelming. It's not just like a mindless collect-a-thon. You know, you're, the things that you're looking for have pointed purposes. You know, yeah. like getting the seven pieces of the machine opens up a new attraction in the world that you're in where you can get another ticket, yeah. you know? So there's a practical reason to do everything. And then, uh, like you said, all the tokens that you collect let you upgrade your abilities. So beyond the little slam, you'll also get a, uh, a double jump eventually. Okay. You also get a little freeze ray that lets you make ice cubes to oh, like help cute. float around. So there's lots of little things you can do. Um, yeah, I, I think really, yeah, like I said, the only thing that's keeping me from giving a full-throated endorsement of this game is the camera. Like I think it's just an unfortunate thing you're going to bump into. And it's not just that it's not super responsive. It's also that it makes an annoying noise every time you adjust it. <laughs> I think that bugged you more than it did me. Mm. But um, the I think it really suffers when you get into small contained areas. It just does not seem to know what to do when you're going through a hallway. Right. It sort of starts turning around randomly, and then it's sort of totally on the other side of you. Um, I don't think that this game has a lot of environments like that, I would hope. Um, yeah, I don't but. think so. We we really only got through two levels with any kind of detail in our hour playthrough. Um, I want to continue digging into it a little bit. Yeah, but, no, uh, it's really uh, neat. Like the the variety. Like you play a game like Starshot, and you sort of feel like you've seen everything that that game does in about ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, as we kept playing, we were getting surprised by the new aspects and curious what it would throw at us next. Yeah, we found a little like length of wire with like some balls on it and we just tried randomly grabbing onto the balls of their tractor beam and that worked it's like you're supposed to grapple up this cable like it's very clever and there's just lots of different things to try out i mean i do think the presentation of this game is sort of lacking but a lot of that comes from just having to compare it against the rare and nintendo games like 
the music? I think, yeah, the circus theme stuff in general mm. doesn't do it for me. No. Like, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily care. Well, it's really care. just a cheap excuse because it doesn't it doesn't feel very circusy like no this, it's funny that there's two n64 games that are space circus based yeah yeah, um, yeah it's true but neither of them feel there was supposed good. to be a third oh my god the vampire circus it was like an open world action game <laughs> vampire that got circus canceled. sounds like just a mad lib of, of a game name <laughs> oh yeah i i only wanted to play that because you got to play as like an old timey strong man with a handlebar mustache and a unitard well see that would that be fun. fun that's yeah. the thing it's like none of these games really have much of a circus feel to it no um like they don't aside from the sort of the creepy clown yeah and i mean the world's like you have a couple of your touchstones there is a pyramid level there's a minecart level you know which yeah, have you, you ever been to a circus with a pyramid yeah <laughs> no no i mean i've been to circus circus in vegas which is near luxor i guess to, i've only been to circuses with you know mimes in very tight fitting shorts i don't know yes. if i've ever actually been to a proper like circus circus like a like Actually, a I don't think I have like a big top tent and three ring we kind of had thing. a kid in elementary school who's i don't think i don't know if her mother his mother did this professionally or if it was just a hobby but she was a clown for hire okay and at one point on his birthday she came into the classroom dressed as a clown oh. and got everyone to sing for him oh and man i it I imagine it was scarring. He's a murderer now. He's definitely a murderer. There's no way around that. Um, yikes. Yeah. I, I hope my mom never becomes a clown. I'm going to say that now. You know, she's <laughs> she's pushing 70. I don't think it's going to happen. But you never know. You never know. Yeah. So, yeah. But there are a couple of, like, slightly more novel levels in here, too. Like the Roman Coliseum level we were playing in with the paint and everything. Mm -hmm. That's pretty fun. There's a flying, uh, flying carpet level, like, yeah, over Arabia, which is pretty interesting, you know. There are a couple of things to kind of mix it up. Um, enough, definitely, to pique my interest in getting yeah, I guess, back I guess, into it. Yeah, I guess, you know, my criticism is just, like, it's sort of an inconsistency of tone. It feels like the sort of intergalactic setting is, like, just sort of an excuse to be like, we can take you wherever we want. But, like, that's something that I really like about the rare games of, like, the levels in Banjo-Kazooie all feel like they're sort of of a piece. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. And and that there is that bit of a disjointed element. But, again, pretty impressive for a team that claims oh, yeah. they didn't know anything about game design. Uh I will say, like, I really enjoyed the music. I did want to mute it because that camera noise was really <laughs> bothering me. But the music is really charming. Um, it's kind of like... I mean, this doesn't. This isn't going to sell it very well, but it's kind of acid jazz. Like, it's got this kind of like, I don't know, heavy on the electric organs and like kind of funky sounds like that. But it's also like twists on the theme. So like, you're in the Roman centurion level, and there's like horns in the background, the ba -ba -da, ba -ba -da -ba -da, and then there's like some jazzy like organs underneath it. And it's just, it's an interesting twist. Like, they found something kind of new to do with it. I didn't, I don't think, you know, it found quite enough sort of differentiating. Um, like, nothing is really standing in my head, um, nor is there kind of like a consistent tone to it. But, like, it does fit within the levels. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do we have anything else to say about this game? Well... Let's move on to our rankings. Let's move Let's, on to our rankings. And we'll um, figure out what else to say. So each week we are ranking the games that we have just played. I think I'm going to kick it off on yeah. this one. Yeah. So Rocket Robot on Wheels. You know what? Like we've talked a lot about kind of trying to find that little hidden gem, the, the little N64 game that no one's heard of that's like really special and unique. 
I'm going to say we kind of found it. Yeah. Like, I'm going to say Rocket is the one. I think Rocket Robot on Wheels is really cute, really innovative. It has its annoying little flaws. I would say that if you are trying to live in the world of playing N64 platformers, you're going to deal with annoying flaws. You are. You are. You're going to deal with a rough camera. You're going to deal with sort of a bad control system sometimes. It is kind of amazing that, like... Super Mario 64 got it right, right out the gate, and then no one else quite got it right. Rare got closest, but, yeah. like, no one else quite got it right after that. And uh, uh, Sucker Punch is no exception. They just didn't quite get the camera there. But there are more ideas in this game than the next 10, like, platforming games on the system. Like, there's so much going on here. Lots of innovative stuff. Lots of personality. So I'm putting this at number 24 nice. on my list. Oh, I'm sorry, 35. I'm oh, looking okay. at the wrong thing. 35 on my list. That's right above F-Zero. Uh, very respectable position for a little rocket here. Yeah, yeah. I'm a pretty I'm pretty similar opinion. I, I don't think that I like the aesthetic of this game as much as you did. Mm. I found it kind of to be sort of a throwaway, like, oh, I don't know, just set it in a circus. It's in outer space. Put some music there. But I do think that the gameplay here is excellent mm-hmm. um i do i think if you like the rare style of platformer where you like going around interacting with the environment and um solving puzzles and sort of constantly revealing new secrets i think this is the next game you should play yeah um i'm putting it number 40 on nice. my list which is right in front of ogre battle 64 good place for it good place for it yeah i i think we're of an accord there i i really liked rocket uh and i i don't know i know that obviously there's not any more of these i Sincerely doubt there will ever be more games in the Rocket Robot on Wheels series. I would love, like, again, it won't happen. I would love to see a remaster of this game where they fix the camera and change absolutely nothing else. Like, that's all I want. If they fix that camera, like, give me a dual analog stick camera control or something yeah, like that. It would go long. Maybe make Rocket ever so slightly easier to control, more precise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, that I think there's so much. naturally from a different controller. Yeah, there's just so much cool stuff here. I really liked it. Um, cool. We've got some letters here from nice. people. Speaking of cool stuff. I love these letters. Send them to uh, ultra64podcast at gmail.com. We love to hear those letters. Uh, so this first one says, Hello, Steve Woody and Schrodinger's guest. I like that. <laughs> uh, you guys asked a bit ago for ideas about what to do when you finish working through the N64 catalog. And there have been a couple of great ideas so far. I love Steve's suggestion to move on to his Wii U collection, maybe titled Project Cafe to keep the original console codenames theme going. Ooh, I like that. That seems like a real deep cut because I did not know. I did not know that. I didn't know that was the codename for Wii U. I know wasn't the Wii like Dolphin? No, it was Revolution. No, GameCube was Dolphin. GameCube was called Dolphin. Wii was the Revolution. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I push for uh, Wii U and me. Wii U and me, or Wii Universe, one of those, yeah, if that ever happens. Uh, and the common suggestion to go over certain N64 titles' handheld counterparts is another one I wholeheartedly agree with. Good news, check out patreon.com slash ultra64pod. We just did the first one of those episodes on that. And I would uh, tell you, you would not want a complete series of You that. would not, man. Well, we were, we were having trouble coming up with things yeah, to talk about. Yeah, we played four games, and we're like, mm. This is bad. Okay, yeah. moving on. This is bad. Okay, moving on. No, wait, the content's more interesting than that. You should pay us for it. Oh, yes, pay us for it. It's really good. Uh, <laughs> but I'd like to present a third option. Keep Ultra 64 going by going international. There's a whole ton of N64 games that are only released in specific regions, most of them being Japan exclusive, but there are a handful of Europe exclusive games too, like Taz, Taz Express. 
You've already gotten a, a little bit off to a start by covering Sin in Punishment. Why not go for a true clean sweep and get the rest of the regional games under your belt as well? Again, you, for a Patreon plug, we also played write, Rakuga did, Kids. Did you write this email to us as like an effort to plug our Patreon? Yeah. Because it's really setting. Yeah, it's really so working. Yeah. Let's, well, here, let's sidetrack for a second. Yeah. Um, yes, there are. We cover a lot. We're covering international games in the Patreon episodes. Um, we played Rakuga Kids, Sin and Punishment. Um, I think we're going to play a game called Wonder Project or something like that, which is a weird... I think it's like a dating sim or life sim from mm -hmm. Japan. And also, I have a uh, train conductor simulator with a special train controller that I would like to play. Taz Express is a great suggestion. In the scope of like systems with lots of imports, the N64 doesn't have a ton, and it can be hard to figure out how to play them in English. Yeah. And it's very hard to review a game that you, can't, you don't know what's going on in. Well, um, our, our, our writer has a few more arguments okay, in, 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 cool. in its favor. It says, you'd get to revisit a few of your beloved characters like Bomberman, Goemon, and Ultraman. Explore, <laughs> explore some unique topics you otherwise wouldn't get to cover like sumo wrestling and DDR. And even discover it's some hidden DDR gems like... Game for N64. I did not know that, yeah. And you'd even discover some hidden gems like Custom Robo. So oh, as I not to know. put all that financial import pressure on Steve all at once, <laughs> you could spread these episodes out thinner and run alongside one of your other podcast ideas, all while keeping fans excited about the new Ultra 64 episode that some bonkers Japan-only game could drop at any minute. Heck, if you wanted, you could even treat it as a sort of epilogue of sorts to the main podcast. Uh, sorry to have gone on so long, but your podcast has become one of my all-time faves due to your winning personalities and great content, and I want to have, keep its legs for as long as possible. Thanks for all the hours of entertainment, and that's from Jared. Thank you so Thank much, you, Jared. Jared. That's really I'm, nice. I'm sorry that I like immediately started arguing with your no, I, halfway through the letter. That was kind but. of my argument ultimately too, which is like there there are a lot that I don't think uh, will be all that exciting to talk about, and there's also a very real language barrier because I don't speak or read Japanese <laughs> at all. And some all of these right, games... step one, learn Japanese. Okay, working so on that. So we can make this highly specific podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Keep tuning in uh, because we're, we're going to mess around with some of these weird titles oh, that we definitely. pop up. Like every once in a while, we find one where we're just like, you know what? We can't resist doing it. Rakuga Kids was so. a pleasure. Like, Rakuga Kids was I, a blast. If that game had come out in the United States, people would be all over that. I think that would be like a cult sensation yeah. over here right now. So thank Thank you, Jared. That's an awesome letter. Thank you so much. Uh, we have another one here. Uh, hey, Steve, Woody, and maybe a guest. Sorry, not this time. It's a recurring theme. If there is a guest, then hey, guest, you are a treasured part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Uh, we should have had somebody. Uh, I Quick, just let the dog in. Pigsy. <laughs> uh, uh, I just finished playing Last of Us Part 2, and the ending absolutely broke my heart, devastated me, and made me not want to play video games for a while as Ooh. I sat with and digested the story of these characters. It made me think of playing Ocarina of Time as a kid and having a similar feeling. That game was probably my first exposure to any kind of emotional storytelling and the idea that a video game could make me feel something so strongly. So my question is this, are there any stories from a game, N64 or otherwise, that really impacted you or stuck with you for an extended period of time? Keep on hitting that Z trigger in the free world, and that is from Jeff. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. That's awesome, Jeff. Thank you. Um, What's the highly emotional moment in Ocarina of Time? Like, I'm wondering... I'm trying to think because I don't think I ever had that reaction with Ocarina of Time necessarily, I mean, like, other than just the like out of me. But I didn't. Know, I don't know what the. I loved seeing all was. my friends like celebrating at the end and all the the sages like watching you and like nodding proudly. You know that was kind of cool. I always found the moment like where you met the sages and you're sort of in this weird ethereal like dream world to be kind of resonant with that music and like, yeah. everyone's counting on you. But... As far as games that have had like a huge. 
emotional impact. I think in my head, I'm just going with like crying. Um, I I am also playing Last of Us 2 right now, and it's very, very difficult to play. But the game that made me cry the hardest, and there have been a few that have made me cry, but the one that made me cry the hardest was The Last Guardian um, from the makers of Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, two other games that made me cry. (laughs) Um, But The Last Guardian really, really wrecked me because... uh, Woody knows I'm I'm uh, very fairly obsessed with my dogs and my animals. You know, yes. I'm, I'm I'm a very <laughs> soft heart when it comes to pets. You got like a menagerie over here, and uh, the the I'm not revealing anything. Like there's nothing. I'm, I'm not saying anything like sad or anything happened. I'm just saying like the bond that you develop mm. between this weird giant horse bird chicken thing, like becomes so real and it's so hard earned and the game is frustrating and flawed and like i don't know if it's one that i go back and play again but man that really wrecked me by the end of it uh and i was just kind of a blubbering mess okay but yeah um i mean i also go to sort of crying and i think there's only i've only played one game that made me cry and that was the telltale walking dead game oh god yeah that Um, one yeah the first one yeah yeah, just the first first chapter i i was done with it after that Um, but that that game and i also have very uh memories of final fantasy 6 where cyan is like you go into his dream and meet his dead family oh and i remember that part being very sad mostly like that game just constantly filled me with like a sense of like I can't believe there's more content in this game. Oh. Like I mean, just like every character has this like crazy side backstory that you go into, and I get it was more just like in awe. I get legitimately upset if I fail to save Shadow. You know the part oh, I'm talking yeah. about, like him and his dog. Like you can you can fail to save them, and that always makes me really sad if I can't pull it Even off. Shadow was kind of a dick. He is kind of a dick, but that you don't like, want to lose him. That yeah. was an annoying part of that game. We're like. They're like, gotta wait. You just beat a hard boss. And then they're like, you gotta wait for Shadow. And I kept being afraid, like, I would just die and yeah. I'd have to refight that boss. But there's no penalty for waiting for him. No, no, not really. No. So, But yeah. I, you get in your head when there's any kind of timer or, like, I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's an awesome letter. Thank you very much, Chef. Oh, also. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, Final Fantasy, man, just Final, those Super Nintendo Final Fantasy games, they really do it for me in the amount of like, okay. emotional stuff they're able to convey. I always found that, like, I don't know. In like um, the end of Super Metroid is very good. The, yeah, when Super Metroid, Metroid comes up for Fight Mother Brain. Yeah, that's one of my very it's favorite a very games well ever. Um, I want to say Half Life Two Chapter Two uh, wrecked me pretty hard. I think okay. whichever one it is, you partner with Alex extensively. That sounds right. Yeah, um, uh-huh. that was really rough. Yeah, first Last of Us, of course, is really upsetting. Uh, second Last of Us is very upsetting. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So cry at games, people. Normalize crying at games. Do it. Double dribble makes me cry every <laughs> Bl- time. I, Blades of Steel always Oof. gets me. Arch rivals when they pull that guy's shorts down. Oh, I know, oh. and he's just standing there. Oh, oh, what did he do? What did he deserve that? Anyway, one last letter here. And this we is a- should just make this podcast about arch rivals and just talk about <laughs> arch rivals every week and see how long we can go. Just the game or different arch rivals no, throughout just, history? No, just the game. Oh, but then we can tie it in with I the arch rivals of the week, like, oh, Hatfield and McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> I think we would run out of stuff to talk about in 15 mm, minutes. Probably. Every week. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is a follow-up to an earlier letter. Uh, it says, hey, Steve Woody, impossible guest. We are dropping the ball on the possible guest. You should just uh, cut that part out when you read it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for answering my question about the games that you have 100%ed. 
Wasn't sure if I missed it, but did you happen to mention any games that you would be willing to do a series of episodes on where you review and discuss the whole game in depth? Obviously, some games would be better than others with this, but I appreciate your attention to detail when you do your reviews and feel you both would be good at breaking down a game level by level. Thanks again. That's Kevin from Champaign, Illinois. And there's a postscript. It says, Woody, as far as I know, people in Champaign do not make champagne called champagne. However, they do make beer. Shout out to Riggs, Triptych, and the Blind Pig, all great local breweries in Champaign, Illinois. Okay, champagne brand beer. Do it. It's yeah, nice. the champagne like of beer it. is Miller High Life. <laughs> Everyone's favorite. Um, I just, Since this person, you know, since he wrote in again, I will say, um, last, last episode I talked about um, getting end of level like completion stuff when you complete a game and i brought up resident evil 4 and i brought up like getting a cheerleader costume oh yeah yeah which seems pretty lame now because i also remember you get like an infinite ammo tommy gun and oh, a rocket right. launcher which makes the game much more interesting oh yeah and much easier you just sort of i love the way that game is hard and then you get those and you just grind through them yeah anyway um to I, answer the yeah, question the, about the, the question yeah about the about the level by level breakdown um there's I mean, something i'm not gonna tip our hand just yet there's something in the works uh not quite that uh but something that that will scratch that itch i think uh, frankly that sounds kind of unpleasant to me like just to me, like i feel like uh, if i was to do it i would want to do it i feel like super mario 64 is the game to do it sure yeah like because that game, like, all the levels are very clearly defined, and you could sort of go one by one. Yeah. So... Would we do it star by star or level by level? I think level by level. Yeah, we have probably. an episode about Bob on Battlefield. Yeah, An episode yeah. about Hot Hot Lava World. Sure. Because um, I, I do feel like that game sort of is distinct enough in each level. Yeah. Um, that might be fun, but, boy, like, the amount of attention that you'd have to give, I don't know if there's many... There's just not many N64 games I like that much. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. And I guess like... Go one by one and all the teams in NBA Jam. Yeah. NBA hang time. I've I've never really been able to get into the... Like, I've listened to some and I like them. It's just the the idea of like the minute by minute breakdown podcasts. Mm -hmm. Like, I can never super get into that idea because like, I, I think... I feel like you want to talk about things as a whole, you know? Like movies and games they're holistic you, you want to see the entire picture you know you want to step back from it to really appreciate what it is and so going super deep in all these little details i feel like you'd lose the forest for the trees you know like yeah. you you want to you want to spread it out a little bit so i mean i don't know that i would do a level by level but keep listening it, in a couple happens, months it would be i'm just telling you i'm just claiming this now if we do something like that it'll be on super mario 64 yes but yes. i don't or know forsaken yeah, or Forsaken. One of those. Or Rocket Robot on Wheels. Yes, maybe that one. That might be fun. Or may, maybe we should do an episode, we should do Mace the Dark Age, and every episode is about a different fighter from Mace the Dark oh Age. Oh my god. Oh, can we write our own character histories? I insist upon it. Yes. Oh, okay. I want to do that, but I'm changing the game to Eternal Champions, because okay. this is basically all sixth grade me wanted to do. Was <laughs> write fan fiction about Eternal Champions meeting the Mortal Kombat characters. I did not get laid for a long time well long time i mean you probably still waiting oh, okay yeah <laughs> um 
I would love to see. I would love to just collect people when they're in. We're in sixth grade and like get the sixth grade of every gamer self and figure out what game they were really into. Yeah, and just have them talk about that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love. I love the idea of being really into Eternal Champions. Like every, like, I feel like everybody has that one oh, game. Yeah. Like, no, what, totally. what would your? I mean, yours was uh, Hang Time, I, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I suppose so. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Every, I think everyone has that one weird game you just had. Smash and, TV. I was so into Smash, Smash TV. TV. I was uh, super into Chippendale Rescue Rangers for the okay. NES, which is yeah. still great. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That would be a fun one on too. But yeah, thank you so much for your letter, Kevin. I, I'm sorry for the cryptic answers. We've got something kind of coming up uh, that will address that. Well, good. I'm excited to hear about this too. Uh, me too. Me too. Apparently. I'm lying. Not working I'm just throwing anymore. things out. Um, anyway, I think that's all we have to say about this episode. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. Uh, that's ultra64podcast at gmail.com. Once again, if you'd like to write in and talk to us. Oh, boy, what games are we playing next week? We are playing. Uh, we're, we're following up on an episode that we pushed. Uh, so we are finally playing Road Rash 64, Scars, and Carmageddon 64. Three unpleasant, fighty, racy games. Hey, Road Rash is pleasant. Road Rash is fine. Yeah, I don't know anything about Scars. Carmageddon's horrible. Yes. Uh, A spoiler alert. It's bad. Um, But we'll be uh, be digging into those finally next week. So um, tune in for some automotive carnage. Uh, and uh, hopefully Rocket Robot on Wheel is not in there. Ooh, yeah, uh, that, would be, that would be very sad. I do not want to see a crossover where Rocket gets crushed in his dune dog by like some guy named Shred or Nick <laughs> Knife Face or something. Knife Face, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Beloved Road Rash character, Knife Face. All right, everybody. See you next time. Goodbye. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. Touchdown brings me round and get to find.